Welcome to Supplement the Faith. I'm your host, Brennan Dooley, and with me is co-host Eddie Sutton. How are you doing? I'm great, my man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Yep, we're back at it. So, got a life update for you, Eddie. Went turkey hunting this morning. Yeah. Didn't get anything. I figured. I figured you would have told me yeah, right away if you told, got something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's picked off probably <laughs> 10 ticks off, off of me, though. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that's always great. Yeah. But um, it's my second time going out this year. And I had to take it easy today. I did way too many steps, way too many miles the first time I went out, and my knees were killing me for the rest of the week. So mm. today I was like, I have to take it easy. Yeah. It sounds, it's sad saying that, but maybe I should like do something about that. Getting old, man. Yeah. Getting old, you know. I, I, you know, as we talk about guys getting old, we got Moses here. Okay. We're studying Moses, and he's getting old, mm-hmm. and he d- seems to be doing great. And as we've been studying him, we are seeing his progression as a man of God and we see him growing in his faith and trusting the Lord more. Yeah. We certainly see his boldness increasing, his trust in the Lord increasing. So that's been that's been really cool to see that. And so today we are studying the final plague, the Passover. Yep. Yep. We made it. We're excited to study this. Yeah. It's good. It's been a uh long, awesome journey through just watching the Lord uh use Moses and Aaron to um, uh, to bring about, uh, God's plan of all of these plagues, uh, one through nine, we've looked at looking at, at 10 now. And like you said, we've seen Moses's faith grow, um, in the midst of this. And yeah, now we're at the, the, the final piece where God finally brings them, um, out of that slavery. And, um, and, um, this is a tough one, man, tough, uh, tough final, final play, final nail in the coffin, uh, that, gets uh pharaoh to finally say all right leave go yeah and uh and the israelites then go you know i am a believer in god's sovereignty but you know what the lord should have considered as one of the plagues what the plague of the ticks because <laughs> <laughs> ticks suck i know we were just talking about that yeah but uh yeah the plague of the ticks that that would have been would have been pretty bad but I'm I'm speaking in a jokingly manner, of course, because I do believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this plague, the Passover, is a is a brutal plague, and we're going to study um, chapter 11 and chapter 12 in this podcast, and uh, we're going to see the Lord institute this plague, and so much of our New Testament theology, and of obviously the sacrifice of Christ, and and what that sacrifice represents comes from this exodus comes from this passover yeah you know jesus met with his disciples the evening of the passover before he went to die on the cross yeah you know so the no doubt that was strategic it's it's 100 percent god ordained Mm -hmm. this this all this whole thing that we're studying is pointing to the future need for for the lamb of god to come and die once for all yeah you know so it it, it's it's fundamental it, it really is and it's so cool when because I mean I I don't know about you but I've I've read through Exodus probably probably a few times. Same. Yeah. In the first few times I don't think I read it through the lens of the gospel, mm. through the lens of like who who Jesus is. So now as we've been studying it, look at it, it's been so much more powerful seeing how so much of this story points to who Jesus is and his character and what he has done and ultimately the 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 work of God bringing us out of the slavery of sin through his son, Jesus, and how the Exodus story is, is a piece, is a foreshadow, is a, um, uh, just a a glimpse of ultimately what God does through Jesus. So it's been so cool 
now reading that through that lens yeah. and I've just, I don't, I feel like I've gotten so much more out of it. My heart mm-hmm. has been so much more stirred towards Jesus, towards worshiping as I've read, read it now this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, I mean, as we are looking at our man Moses and, and, and all this too, seeing how he has grown, uh, through this as well. But, mm-hmm. um, man, it, 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 it's, it's, it's crazy how different, uh, or how much more you get out of, uh, certain stories when you read it through the lens of, of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I believe, you know, as, as we would say, and I think it, it takes a couple times reading through, but, you know, we should read the Old Testament through the lens of the gospel. That's how to read it, right? But it takes a couple times reading through and really kind of letting it marinate to see all of the foreshadowing, to see the connections and things like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. If if Jesus is like the 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 focal point, the center point, the uh, the epicenter, if you will, mm-hmm. of of the the entire Bible, the Old Testament that comes before Jesus all points towards Him, and then everything after, which would be the New Testament, yeah. is is then radiating from that center point. Yeah. Uh, a, a result of then who Jesus is, you could even say then points back right. to who He is. So. Both New Testament, Old Testament point towards Jesus. All this inwardly focused mm. then on the center uh, of it all, which is which is Him, and yeah. that's exactly what this this story is doing. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So picking up in chapter eleven, the Lord said to Moses, "Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people." that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So, I mean, just a few interesting things here. Okay, this is the first time we've seen the Lord say, this time Pharaoh will let you go completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that and we, and we trust God at his word. Yep. So I feel like if I was Moses hearing that, I'm like, okay, th- this is it. You know, yeah. God's going to make Pharaoh release us completely, obviously. Yeah. Because he hasn't said that yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I like, I like too, in, in verse two, um, again, they're, they're about to be brought out of, out of slavery. They're about to head into the wilderness. And God says, Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and, and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. Mm. And I, I, we could have covered this already, man. I don't remember, but 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 God tells uh, the um, the Israelites to go to the Egyptians and ask for gold and silver and clothing. Um, so I don't remember if we've covered it before or if it's coming up, but I find that fascinating. So I I started asking the uh, question: yeah. Why would God? <laughs> why, why not? Why not food or or water or they, as they're about to, to leave? And yeah, what what's so what's so cool? I, th- I think this is showing two things. One, as God is calling them out of this, He's providing for them, for right? Sure. For for these things. But this is really cool too, and we'll get there. But later on, when God instructs them to build the temple in the in the wilderness, they use the things that they got from the Egyptians to build the temple. So God is providing for them here ahead of time, substance, things, gold and silver, to eventually go and build the temple yeah. later on, which is where the dwelling place of God dwells with him. So God is providentially beforehand 
give, providing for them gold and silver that they then bring with them that no doubt was heavy to carry oh, with them sure. throughout the wilderness that then is later used to build the temple where he then places his presence to be to be among them. So that, I think it's so cool. God is providing for them. Not This isn't just money. This isn't just you know exchange of, of goods. This is he is providing them a way for his presence to be with them yeah. later on, which is which is super cool. That's good, man. Yeah. And connected to that, back when Moses was talking to God at the burning bush, mm -hmm. God said to him in chapter 3 of Exodus verse 21, and I will give you, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and mm. clothing, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. That's I'm glad you brought that up. That's yeah. cool. So it was even talked about. So God said that even from the very beginning, and he's following through yes. on his promise. Look at that. Yeah, and so That's if awesome. you're Moses, you're thinking back, I mean, what, 40 years ago? Would that have been 40? No. No. Probably long. Yeah, Okay. What, no, no, no. The the burning the bush burning was bush. not forty years ago from where we're right, 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 right. The burn. So he was in. So he was. He remember he left Egypt. He right. ran. Ran. He was in the the wilderness for forty years away, and then the burning bush happened. Okay, from the burning okay, okay. bush, God sends him to, directly to Egypt. So this okay. is the so this burning is bush recent, is not long ago. Recent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. But yeah, you got to be Moses remembering oh yeah god promised me that at the burning bush that he would provide this gold and the silver and the clothing and that we'd plunder the egyptians and just from reading this here we don't i think the plundering is more of a, a literal term you know because he's the, we see here that the they've, they've been given favor moses has been given favor the egyptians yeah. have been given favor and it's almost like these egyptians are like willingly giving older giving no over doubt. their gold and there's silver. Yeah. So I think it's more of a literal plundering, like taking of, of this stuff. And oh, but yeah. yeah, like you said, I mean, this is so cool because this is going to be used to build the temple, you know, in the future and building God's um, place, the place where they will worship God. So yeah. it's, it's really neat. And that that favor that is given is is cool. And you, you're right. I mean, there's probably there's probably a few things going on with that. The, with the, the Egyptians aspect. having favor. One is probably... I mean, they have watched nine plagues come by where Moses Horrible plagues, has, has yeah. warned them. So they've they've no doubt probably have learned. Like, there's something up with this dude, Moses. Yes. Whatever he says For comes sure. to pass. So if he tells us to give us things, like, we're going to do it. Yeah. So th there's probably that. And yes. then we also know that, I mean, just like we have seen God intervene and harden Pharaoh's heart, mm. we see in multiple areas of Scripture where God gives favor to his children, where God is 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 working in this situation. One, recently, I, I, with a couple guys, started studying the book of Daniel, and right away in, in, in chapter 1, it is said that God gave favor uh, in the eyes of the, the, the Chaldeans and the servants to Daniel. Yeah. So, I mean, Daniel was given—he was seen as favorable to them. So God is intervening and working— um, there and so and there's there's multiple places where we see that where God is providing in that way absolutely um, of um, uh, giving favor yeah give, yeah. give just giving favor to mm -hmm. his children yeah yeah um, so that's cool so God is no doubt even providing favor in this while also probably they're they have looked at all that has happened in the last however long this this has taken 
and uh, know that Moses is a man who is uh, who um, knows God uh, and knows yeah. the one who is bringing all this destruction. So we better uh, we better do what he says. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get into the description of this plague. So verse four. So Moses said, "Thus says the Lord." About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle, there shall be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down, shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Hmm. So you got to wonder here if Pharaoh really believes that God will do this and can do this. And we see that... God hardened Pharaoh's heart again, um, or was it Pharaoh that hardened his own heart? Verse nine says that um, <clears throat> that uh, the Lord said to Moses, "Pharaoh will not listen to you." Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but it also said that that the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. So again, Lord, yeah. I mean, that's a good that's a good point there again of like it, they're both hardening the heart. Like, um, yeah, yeah. L- the Lord is intervening, but also uh, Pharaoh. Um, hates God, hates Moses. Uh, remember, we just saw in last chapter that Pharaoh threatens to kill Moses if he sees him again. So uh, Pharaoh is also hot uh, and heavy in anger towards uh, what is happening here. But mm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a serious plague. So every firstborn, you know, whether it's boy, girl, cattle, except for the people in the land of Egypt, because the Lord made a distinction between the Egyptians and Israel. Did I accidentally say that? Okay. It, it is you know every I mean? firstborn, including the Israelites. Oh, unless, okay. unless, and we'll, and we'll, we'll get, get to, to that, that. the description, but it is, there is, I mean, it is going to be every firstborn yeah. um, that this, that this plague, that this angel of death, that, mm-hmm. that this judgment is, is coming on. But what we see here mm-hmm. uh, is that, <clears throat> In, in, in verse 6 and 7, there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been before, nor there will ever be again. Not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So he mm-hmm. is he is talking about there's a distinction here, but that what he's saying is that there won't be a dog that growls, that there won't be... There won't be anything that hinders uh, what is what is going on here. But God is no doubt making a distinction uh, between Israel and Egypt. Clearly, you and I have been talking about that through this whole time. Remember, um, I, I think it was back in chapter or not chapter four, but plague four, where God then brings the Israelites to the land of Goshen and separates the Israelites from yeah. from the from the Egyptians. 
so that the Israelites don't experience all of the plagues only the Egyptians yeah. do. So this this whole story is pointing towards that that God is separating the Egyptians those that are that are not his children mm. and the Israelites those that are his children. Um and he is he is absolutely doing that. I mean that is sanctification in a nutshell, right? Like the yeah. word yeah. The word sanctification means to be set apart. Yeah. So you when when we come to saving faith in Jesus, we are sanctified in a sense where we are no longer now of the world, but we are now set apart. We are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we now live in the world, but we're not of it. So we have been set apart, sanctified. There's been a distinction now between believer and non-believer. So so there's that and then we are continually sanctified, mm-hmm. which we are continually being made set apart. So in, in the story here, the Exodus story, the Israelites are separated from the Egyptians because the Israelites are God's firstborn children. Wow. So the, so they're his, separated from them. They're, they're his children. Yeah. And God is continually setting them apart by, we. I mean, we see this. One, he separates them physically so that they don't experience the, the the plagues right and then he's really going to separate them by bringing them out of the land so that they can mm. freely worship him. and i mean god is always doing this yeah. in, in our life of more and more and more separating us from the world mm. and i mean it's I, I i don't know about you man but i i think this is a great um question to ponder and to ask ourselves on a regular basis as we are pursuing the lord as we're trying to grow as men uh, of God is like asking ourselves, like, am I looking more like the world on a regular basis or am I looking more like Jesus mm. on a regular basis? And if we are conforming to yeah. the ways of the world, we are not living in the way that God wants us to live where there is a distinction. We right. should look different from the world. Yeah. There, there has been a movement uh, lately, especially with the, with the younger Christian generation of it's almost cool to be like a Christian that looks like the world, yeah, in, in, a, in a sense, and I'm not saying that that's all right, and it's a, but there there definitely has about. been like the Christian that you know drinks a little bit, the Christian that has you know a ton of a, a ton of tattoos, the Christian that cusses a little bit, the you know, and none of those things in and of itself are like bad, right? But it's yeah. it's there's the, like this movement of it. It's almost edgy or cool to be this Christian that fits in. Yeah. That that kind of looks like the world, but is not of the world, and like again, it's a it, it's one of those tricky conversations, right? Because for sure, like I want to get a tattoo. I'm not saying tattoos bad. I'm going to get one probably this summer. Oh, it's okay. not a it's not a bad a bad thing. But sure, if we if 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 there there's there's also a worldly. Um, Con, 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 there's also a, a worldly visual of like if you're all, you know, tatted up and stuff, you're, That's you know, sure. you're you're kind of 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 the world, right? That's just one of those things. Just like if you're out partying and, and drinking, sure. you're looking like the world. Um, doesn't mean that you are. You could be a Christian and then fall into that. But yep. my 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 point being is is sometimes as believers we can drift into this of into this area of looking kind of like the world while claiming. Yeah. To, to, to be his and we need to be aware of it is good for us to not be like the world it is good for those who don't know jesus to look at jesus followers and say why don't you look like us mm. why aren't you doing the things that we're doing why aren't you why, why aren't you talking like us acting like us looking like us why are you different i don't understand 
And then that is the perfect plug-in for the gospel and say, because I'm not of this world, because of what Jesus has done, I used to be, I was alienated and separated, a child of wrath, but then because of Jesus, I am now brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I am now his, and he is continually to make me like him. Therefore, I abstain from these things of the world, and I am instead drunk on the Spirit. I am instead Mm -hmm. filling myself with with the things of God. So we should look less and less and less like the world as we strive to look more and more and more like Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that, that's all I'm trying to, trying to say with that. Those, those are tough conversations, right? Cause like, yeah. um, anyway, that's sure. just, it, it's a, it's a good thing to think. Am I acting more and more like the world on a regular basis or am I acting more and more like, like Jesus? We should see as we grow in our faith, ourselves looking less like the world yeah. as we, as we grow. That's good, man. Man, thanks for making that clear. So um, the beginning of chapter 12, um, Moses and Aaron are going to kind of uh, initiate this uh, lamb and give the the instructions. The Lord is going to say to them actually what should happen. So one of the things that happens here with the Passover is the Lord tells them that the Passover is going to be the beginning of the year, the beginning of the months for the the Jewish calendar. Okay, Mm -hmm. And every family should get a spotless blemish lamb about a year old and if they can't afford one then they should get a a lamb that's proportionate to the amount of people with their like neighbors okay Mm -hmm. so they're going to get this lamb and then raise it for essentially one year and then at the one year mark the passover the next year at twilight of the passover they will slaughter the lamb okay that's kind of the summary so far and then I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to pick it up in verse 7 with the specific instructions on what to do with the blood of this lamb. Is it a whole year that they keep the keep the lamb or is it just for a few days? I don't think it's a whole year. I heard on a bot radio sermon last week that they keep it was actually 2 weeks ago Easter that they that they would raise this lamb and kind of keep it for a whole year. Um, typically maybe, maybe later on if they, if they couldn't, they would buy it, you know, but, um, I I don't know. I just heard it on that, on that sermon about Easter that they would, they would raise the lamb for a whole year and then slaughter it. Yeah. I mean, that that might happen after, but this is happening very quickly in what we're reading here Okay, where, where, I mean, it's, it's from when God tells them, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. They don't raise a lamb for a year and then a whole year passes and then they're brought out of Egypt. This is happening fairly quickly. You're right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, God has given him instructions of how to um, how to handle the Passover, but this this is happening right away, um, where Moses goes right then to the to the elders uh, of Israel and says, "Go and tell everyone to go and get a lamb." It even says that they eat it in haste. Mm. Haste meaning quickly because they're they're going to be let out. So the very next morning, and that's why they then kill the, they kill the lamb and they put the blood on the post. And, um, yeah, that's good <clears throat> clarification. I was getting a little bit ahead of myself for sure. So they're, they're, they're getting this lamb in haste and here's what they have to do with it. Picking up in verse seven, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. 
do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened and your your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste, and the, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So that's that's what's going to happen. Um couple things that stood out to me just reading that and I, I bet yeah. they stood out to you too eddie yeah it's interesting the instructions on what they're supposed to do when they're eating it they got their belt fastened sandals on their feet and staff in the ready yeah and they're eating in haste yeah o- almost like the sense of like being prepared for something right as they're eating this meal yeah you know yeah i mean they're getting prepared to leave mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah ready to go um you have this sense of, like I said, preparedness, this sense of urgency, certainly. You know, eating it with haste, that's definitely urgent. Uh, but taking God serious at, at what what's about to happen here. Um, taking the threat of death seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And so with that, you know, we have the parallel here to any firstborn that's going to die. Okay, so, so the, the blood marking the doorpost okay signifies for this angel of death to pass over okay what this foreshadows for christ which i'm sure we'll talk a lot about coming up here quickly uh what this foreshadows is the wages of sin is death so all of us no matter who we are we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and the wages of sin is death so we don't deserve life new life in christ unless there's been some kind of sacrifice and we've placed our our faith in christ so the sacrifice is christ on the cross his blood his death his resurrection and we put our faith and trust in him call him as lord and savior and then just like this we're we're past our sins are passed over right it, it, they're, they're they're no more okay so that that is what's going on here and i know we'll talk about that more in detail but the angel of death is going to visit every household that does not have their door marked with blood and every firstborn will die. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole bunch of parallels to, to, to Jesus here. Verse five says your lamb shall be without blemish. Mm. Um, we know that Jesus, uh, was a perfect, uh, man, both fully man, fully God. He lived a perfect life. So you would say he is without blemish so the fact that the lamb shall be without blemish foreshadows uh jesus there um and then like you said they shall take in verse seven where the blood is to be put on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat which by the way if (laughs) i think it's kind of cool the visual if you were to put blood on the two doorposts and then the top it kind of is like a cross which is is kind of cool Um, and uh and yeah man everything you said i mean the blood represents foreshadows the blood of Jesus that is then spilled and and just like you know when we stand before judgment day one day the 
the when when it's judgment day the the only thing that is not going to uh the only thing that's going to keep us from from being separated from God from eternity is if we are covered with the blood of Christ. Um, that that's it. So it, it it even foreshadows the end the end times. So, I mean, it it all points to that. The blood is a very uh, um, I- I- important uh, part to the to the Bible. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Need to need to understand that um, for uh, for sure, which is cool. I even think that I even think the fact that it's the door is interesting. That like it, I mean, you could ask mm-hmm. the question like, why put the blood on the door? Then, yeah. Right. I, Entryway to the house. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Like you have to pass through that in yep. order to get to the people in the house. Yeah. Be a couple things like that. Yeah. I think it's quite a few things yeah. like that. I think it's in. I think it's in John ten, where mm-hmm. you you have the whole description of Jesus as the shepherd, mm-hmm. and it literally he describes himself as the gate, as the yeah, as the gate, that, like yeah, as the right. door into yeah, and um, so I mean Jesus is even represented as the door, right? He is the way, the mm-hmm. truth, and life. He's the way where he says no one can get to the Father except through me. So to get to the house of God in the house of God, you have to pass through the door. Jesus is that door. So yeah. I think it's even interesting that the blood is put on the door. I think even that resembles Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you have and verse 10 is interesting. You read verse 10, right? I did. Okay. Yeah. Where it says, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Yeah. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. Like, I mean, yeah, they didn't have refrigerators to keep leftovers. Sure. But why, why the harsh, like if it wasn't all eaten, why then get rid of it? Yeah. Like, well, I, th- I think, you know, this is, this is my opinion is that, the the reason why it is not um, kept and saved again pointing to, to Christ Christ's death and resurrection was complete covered it everything. was it, it covered everything it was it was it's final good. there was no leftovers that needed to be done so I think God is saying eat it all and if you don't eat it all then burn it get rid of it yeah. it's to symbolize like it is sufficient like mm. this meal this Passover meal is enough. Mm. There needs no be leftovers. Yeah. I said that weird. It it there needs no <laughs> that was like to the, be leftovers. That was like the old King James version. There you go. Of, yeah. Uh, that there yeah. need no be leftovers. Exactly. <laughs> so so just like there's no need like like just like Jesus' death and resurrection is sufficient for um, covering us with his blood for our sins to be forgiven. Yeah. This this dinner, this Passover meal, this event is sufficient for for the angel of death to mm. pass over. There need there doesn't need to be any leftovers. It's good. Yeah. It's good, um, man. And then you have, you know, verse verse twelve that you read that I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, which by the way, he says in verse twelve, I will pass through. Yeah. Where just even a little bit later, he calls the angel of death, the destroyer will come. Mm-hmm. So we, we have this where it's referred to different names, but ultimately it's God. It's just like how we have the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God, the Trinity. It's yeah. all God. Um, but you see, you know, different names and roles and things like that. So Yeah, this, this is like the, this is the, the clear judgment side, the wrath of God passing yeah. through here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then verse 12 reminds us that He'll pass through the land of Egypt that night, and he will strike down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, on all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. 
I am the Lord. And so it's the firstborn of the Pharaoh, of all of the livestock, of the Egyptians, and even the Israelites, if they don't listen yeah. <laughs> and put the blood yeah. on the on the doorpost. It is it is ever, all of the firstborns. And again, there's so much foreshadowing and also even looking back. Because remember, all the way at the beginning, you and I covered, what did Pharaoh do when he heard that there might be a a, a king coming? He tried to kill all the firstborns. Hell he did. yeah, that's right. Yeah. He, he issued to throw all the firstborns into the Nile. Yeah. So Pharaoh started it, <laughs> almost in a sense, with killing all the firstborns. Now God is saying, now I'm, I'm doing the same. Yeah. But it also foreshadows to Jesus because we we read in I, I mean it Colossians chapter one even yeah. says it Jesus is referred to as the firstborn of all creation mm. uh, right that um, ultimately Jesus is the only yeah. begotten Son he's the firstborn of all he's there from the beginning um, so even the the fact that the killing of the firstborn must happen yeah. uh, in order and the killing of the lamb must happen in order for the salvation of the of the Israelites here just like the 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 killing of Jesus the sacrifice of Jesus needed to happen for our yeah. sins to be forgiven so dude i mean it's just all over it's all over yeah. it's so good man yeah to to kind of summarize the the next verses uh the lord is going to give moses some instructions on how the passover and the week of the passover shall be remembered for generations to come. It should be a memorial day to them. They should have these feasts, um, no working. So it's almost like a Sabbath period. Um, and then Moses is going to, what you were talking about earlier, Eddie, mm-hmm. instruct the elders of Israel to go and select lambs for yourselves, for your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Okay, yeah. and, and the instructions about putting the blood on the doorpost. But... I do want to look at verse 23 because this is like kind of the climax of this, of the plague that signifies absolutely totally signifies the Lord's grace here. So verse 23 for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. Mm-hmm. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. Um, and then he goes on to say, even when you go into the land that the Lord will give you, um, you shall keep this service and this tradition uh, as a remembrance of, of what um, what the Lord has done here in Egypt. Yeah. Um, so verse 28, they went out, they did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And so they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the patterns of remembrance here is, is a really cool thing. And I think that's something that, uh, we don't do well as an American culture Mm. and as a Christian culture And, and, and in Christianity. Yeah. We, you know, we're not legalistic. We don't need, these patterns, you know, we don't need rituals to get closer to God, but there is something, I think, I think there's something spiritual about our, just our human condition when it comes to setting up patterns of remembrance in our life. No doubt. To, to remind us of Christ's sacrifice. You know, I think that's why the church has adopted the, the liturgical calendar of Advent and Lent mm. and Epiphany and I can't remember what the the fourth one is right now, but we go through this this calendar every year. You know, we go Advent, 
you know, it's Advent, Epiphany, Lent, and then you have this kind of normal period until Advent again. So yeah. it's patterns of remembrances. Yeah. And I think it's really healthy for us to, to remember these things. It, it it really is. And I think because it's healthy for us, I mean, that's I think that's why we see God instruct it. I mean, Jesus yeah. at the Last Supper says, do this in remembrance of me. This is why yes. every, you know, once a week we do communion at, at, at yeah. church. And yep. it's, a, it's a pattern of remembrance and... Man, when when you and I really go through the rest of Exodus, we will see how quickly the Israelites forget all that oh, God man. has done, and just man, it's just such a reminder to us how how much you and I, how much we forget what God has done in our lives. We need these patterns of remembrance to keep our mind set on Him, to to keep our heart soft to to, to who He is and what He's done, to continue rejoicing on on a regular regular basis just like yeah what you said oh, man, yeah. those, those patterns of remembrance are, are are good for us i mean we see all throughout the old testament that whenever god did something they built an altar to the yeah. lord as a place of worship as yeah. for remembrance and for praise yeah of what of what god has done and it's it's good for us to do that in in, in our lives and um i mean i think i think that's why it's cool when um you know like we we celebrate uh I get, you know, texts from, from friends, you know, when, uh, on Facebook, the, uh, um, you know, Facebook does like a one year memory. (laughs) Yeah. Whenever I I was baptized Mm. every year, that thing comes up and I'll get some texts from people like, like, man, it's been so cool what God's done in your life since that moment, man. And Mm. like, that's a cool kind of pattern of remembrance of that picture. And that day every year pops up. For sure. On my computer as like a remembrance of yeah. man, what God has done and what he has done since that time. And Amen. um it's it, it's kind of cool. It's good to have have those things. We we keep pictures and we write notes and we journal and do all of these things to remember um Absolutely. what God has done. Yeah. Um and it's it is. It's a great mm. um a great uh spiritual discipline, if you will, mm. of um uh for us. Yeah uh, to to can t- to help us worship him on a regular basis. Amen. Yeah. And for us as Christians now we have Easter at, which is at the end of Lent and we remember the Passover at Easter. Yeah. But for us the Passover is so much more than what it is here to the Israelites. The Passover represents Christ as the final Passover, the new Passover initiating in I mean, you know, on Good Friday we talk about He's at the Last Supper with his disciples, and he's about to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, he's about to die, and he he does die on the cross on Good Friday. When we talk about all these things Mm -hmm. as a pattern of remembrance, to remember this is the new Passover when Christ's death, when Christ's death, burial, and resurrection passed over our sins, and the 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 curtain was torn in two, and there's no more need for a priest, and the Old Testament system of the laws and all these sacrifices. No, it's once for all. Christ was the spotless. Lamb of Christ yeah. sacrificed as the firstborn Son of God, yeah. and His blood spilt on the cross covers our sins. Yeah, you know, I mean it's just so amazing how it culminates yeah. into Christ. Yeah, you know what's really cool about the Last Supper that yeah. I I just learned this like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so so first off, when when John the Baptist sees Jesus for uh and John is the revealed first time when 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 John is revealed to by God that Jesus truly is the the Son of God. Remember oh. what he calls him, Lamb of God. He calls him the Lamb of God. Yeah. Says, "Behold, for this is the, the Lamb, Lamb of God. God." Well, he calls him that because just like all that you and I are talking about, Jesus 
represents the Passover lamb Mm -hmm. is the represent representation of that. So he, he is the Passover lamb. So during the last supper, when they are eating the Passover dinner, Mm -hmm. there is no lamb at the last supper. I didn't know that until it was pointed out to me like a year and a half ago. That is such a cool visual. The reason that there's no lamb at the last supper, because Jesus himself is is the the lamb, lamb. which is amazing because I mean, just like what we all read in here, the instructions that God gives them on a yearly basis to celebrate the Passover is to sacrifice a lamb. Yeah. But at the last supper with Jesus and the disciples, there's no lamb yeah. at the last supper because Jesus is. It's and good. I just thought that w- that's one of the coolest like visuals. Yeah. Uh, one of those things that you don't see right away. Yeah. That's a, that that's very powerful. Well, and you might've mentioned this, the disciples would have been bewildered that there's no lamb oh, yeah. at the Passover supper. Yeah. You know, they're like, what are we doing here? And we forget the lamb. <laughs> no what, were you supposed to get the lamb? Was I supposed to get it? Wait, what's going on here? Yeah. And then it, I can't imagine it clicking in their brains when Jesus said, this is my body, take and eat. This is my blood, take and drink. You know, yeah. I'm, I am, he didn't say it directly like this, but you know, he's basically said, I am the Passover lamb. Yeah. They, their minds must have been blown, and that might have been the moment for some of them where they, find, where it finally connected. I mean, it might have been. Who knows? Yeah. But amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah. You, you know, going on all that you've been saying too about this act of remembrance in, in uh, in in twenty five and in twenty six again, um, it says that you shall you shall keep this service this this act of remembrance in in verse twenty six, and when your children say to you. What do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he has passed over the houses of the people of Israel in in, in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. I love that section there because it shows Mm -hmm. us that like God and Moses is directing, like, tell your children this and your children's children and like this story Mm. of what jesus has done should be told and celebrated and passed down and parents i'm not a parent yet but you are man like Mm -hmm. you get to be the most influential person in your son's life of telling him the story of jesus and the gospel and who he is and it's it's commanded it's told by by god for us to do this like when when one day your son is going to ask you like you know, Daddy, why why do we go to church on Easter, or why mm. do we go every Sunday? Like, I don't, you know, I'm I'm confused. And you get to tell him, yeah. here, son, is because of what Jesus has done. This is what we do. Or, Daddy, why were you on your knees this morning, like praying? Yeah. Like, that's weird. Like, well, here, let me tell you why, yeah. my son. And like, you get to be that 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 one that tells your your son on a regular basis the story mm. of what God has done in your life and what He has done for all who who believe. Uh, and for the world, and um, I just I think that's a really cool instruction that 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 God gives here um, that we should share the story of what Jesus has done. Uh, well, specifically in here of what um, of what God has done with with the Exodus, but we well we know later again uh, because of what Jesus has done, we get to tell our kids that in the future, and just it's really cool. Yeah, Amen, man. Yeah, and as we're wrapping up here, because we're running out of time. Verses 29 through 32. So at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of all the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and all of his servants in all of Egypt. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. 
Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go f- up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Man. So it happened just as the Lord said. And in the middle of the night, not even until the morning, you know, they could, at midnight, okay, this happened. It's still pitch black darkness, and... Moses and Aaron are summoned by Pharaoh to be sent out and everything that they've asked for to be sent out with their flocks or women and children, Pharaoh grants it. And what's interesting is he also says, bless me also as yeah. they're being sent out. Yeah. To, to hurt man right there. Yeah. That's saying, go, I never want to see you again. Leave and bless. Like, Oh, he's almost saying, bless me by leaving. Yeah. Like just get out of here. Yeah. I'm, I'm destroyed. I'm distraught. I'm done. Yeah. Like leave and bless me by it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. So God, yeah, he makes do on his, on his promise and, and, and what he says here. And, um, I guess next episode, man, we'll cover then them actually leaving and, and going out and, yeah. um, all that, all that comes, comes with that. But man, just thankful, um, you know, as we continue to look at this story and, yeah. um, how God, really also, you know, use, use Moses a lot, a lot in all this, but again, the lengths that God goes to, to free his people from slavery. And, um, man, it just, anytime I read this, I can't help but reflect on my own like slavery to sin and Mm. where I was at before the Lord calls me. And I just, I can't help, but just like what we saw, um, at the end of verse 27, where it says, and the people bowed their head and worshiped, like I can't help but worship when I think of what God has done in freeing me from the bondage of slavery that, 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 that I was in and, um, just unbelievable. The, the God that we serve, man. Yeah. Yeah. He is unbelievable, man. So it's critical for us as, as Christians to understand the Passover and what Mm -hmm. this represents. So man, good stuff today, Eddie. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Supplement the Faith and we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Love you guys. Do us a favor and check us out on Facebook at Supplement the Faith and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tell your friends about the podcast. Thanks.